Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Multifaceted Athlete. This is the final episode in our February Eating Disorder series. So if this is the first episode of this series that you are listening to, we are talking about eating disorders. So if that triggers you, you might want to skip this one. And in general, this series was created to create more awareness, help others share their stories to other people. And if if you're struggling yourself, hopefully help you feel less alone. So on today's episode, I have Lindsay Herman with me. She's a professional trail and ultra runner, and she opened up about her story with eating disorders starting in college and how that journey brought her to today where she's dealing with some injuries. So it's a really good conversation, and I'm excited to close out this series with Lindsay's story, and I hope you enjoy. As always, if you want to reach out, Lindsay's contact info is in the show notes. You can contact me at Instagram at coachingklutz or email me kelly at coachingklutz.com. There are also resources in the show notes if you are struggling yourself. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Lindsay. All right, welcome back to another episode in the February Eating Disorder series. This is actually our final episode, and today I'm excited to introduce Lindsay. So, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I think this is super cool that you're doing this because I feel super passionate about talking about this stuff. So, Yeah, and thank you for offering to come on. So let's start with, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and why you wanted to share your story? Yeah, so I, um, I'm i a professional trail and ultra runner now. Um, I'm also, I also coach for trail and ultra running. Um, and I think that what really like got me into coaching was just, yeah, my like passion for wanting to help other people because of kind of my background. And um, yeah, I didn't come to running though, like from a traditional background. I didn't do track and cross country growing up. Um, I played soccer and ski race growing up. Those were my two main sports. And cool. I was always like really into running though. My dad was a road marathoner and I like, I loved running with him, but I always said, I was like, running's my thing. I'm just going to keep like just for fun. That's my one thing I'm not going to get super competitive about. And then now I'm like making my whole career out of it, but, um, and yeah, and I like, I did, I did a marathon in high school. Um, and just like when I was 16, I was like, I just kind of want to run a marathon while I'm 16. So I like printed out an online training plan and like, um, did this local road marathon, but, um, yeah, I feel like growing up, I honestly didn't feel like I struggled that much with any like food or body image issues. And, like looking back, I feel like I would be the person I would least expect to have developed an eating disorder. Um, Like I was always like really proud of being strong and um, I ate a lot of food, like like I should, I was very active, but um, yeah. And so then though, like going into college, um, I went to a school that had a trail running team, which is pretty cool. Um, and it wasn't like a club. It was like had paid professional coaching, um, and like structured practices and training and everything. I think it's like the only one like that in the country. Um, and we would just go to like normal trail running races because other schools don't have teams, but it was, so that was like super cool. And, um, one thing though with me, like, I think a lot of athletes is I'm just very all or nothing. And so 
once I decided I was all in on trail running, I was very all in on it. And, um, and so that was kind of like when my eating disorder started to develop because I was like, oh, I like need to look like a runner. And, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting though, because I think, uh, one thing I've figured out is that eating disorders are just really sneaky. Like, um, I don't think it ever starts out like, oh, I'm going to have an eating disorder. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I don't think it ever starts out that way. It's more like, oh, I'm just going to like cut out this one thing or like I just want to even just like in the name of performance, like thinking that you're just trying to be a better athlete or something. And um, so, I, yeah, I like quickly fell into that trap. And um, yeah, it was like a very slippery slope and kind of went downhill really, really fast in like 2018, 2019. Um, and yeah, so then kind of coming out of that, I've just become super passionate about coaching. I like, um, I assistant coached the college team for two years after mm -hmm. I graduated also. And so that really like made me passionate about wanting to make sure that especially other female athletes on the team didn't have the same experience that I did. And um, I, I loved my coaches that I had in college. They were awesome and I still think they're awesome um, but we had like two male coaches who I think just didn't know how to approach the situation at all um, and so then like when I helped coach the team I just really wanted to like yeah be that person that athletes could go to about those sorts of things and um, I've always been like just a very open book so I really want to like share my story to try and help other people also. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's really important, especially since you're a professional now. And I know there are more professionals coming out and talking about it because it's, you know, it's not uncommon in any certain part of the running community, but it is like, I think more common than we want to think in the professional space too. And then obviously in the recreational space, it's also very common. Um, so I'm really excited that you're sharing your story. Uh, I find it so interesting that you started out playing soccer and you weren't struggling in high school or anything because a common thread in some of the other stories with the women I've spoken to is like junior year a lot of us that's when we started struggling um but I am curious like do you think the culture around soccer lent itself to you not even like thinking twice about food and all of that because I feel like in soccer I played when I was younger but not in high school it it's really like powerful and you want to perform really well and like I don't know, you don't try to be smaller for that sport, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm sure that like other people who play soccer experience different pressures or whatever, but yeah. I generally agree. Like I feel like people usually want to be strong for soccer. Like I feel like strength is something that's celebrated more in soccer. And um, yeah, like I was always like, super proud of how strong I was and like having really strong legs and being able to squat a lot and like um yeah like my high school boyfriend I used to be like so proud of the fact that I was way stronger than him like <laughs> um and yeah so it was like kind of sad when I like did develop an eating disorder I feel like I like lost that kind of like pride in being strong like I didn't care about being strong anymore and um yeah so I definitely think like having that and um Downhill ski racing was the kind of ski racing I did, which also mm -hmm. is a sport that, like, you really need to be strong for, and it's more of, like, a power sport. And so um, I definitely think, like, doing those probably contributed to me, like, not struggling as much in high school. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So then once you went to college and were doing the trail running team, 
how or were what were some indications that made you realize that maybe you had an issue brewing? I found like it was really weird. I started just getting a lot of anxiety about like my body size all of a sudden. And mm-hmm. I actually I started so I started dating someone in college who I think struggled with their own body image issues. Um mm-hmm. and it kind of ended up getting like taken out on me though, I think, about like criticizing my body. Um and so I think entering that relationship was just uh, really unhealthy and made me start thinking more about like my body and my body size and um yeah I just all of a sudden could felt like I, all I could focus on like before I even started taking any like physical actions I feel like all I could focus on was just my body and like feeling like I was huge and um yeah like feeling like I needed to be smaller and yeah I would like cry like I feel like I had full-blown meltdowns about it and Um, So I remember kind of like going through a period of a few months of that before I actually was like, okay, I'm going to like do something about this to try and make my body smaller. And um, yeah. And so I think I went through like that was kind of in the spring of I don't even remember what year. I think my like junior year in college, maybe sophomore or junior year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I then like that summer I moved um with my partner at the time to Denver and um he had an internship there but I didn't have a job there and so I was just kind of like bored that summer um I had like a very very part-time job that I got just because I was gonna be there um but so I was just like okay I'm gonna really focus on running this summer um and I like had this goal of being the most fit athlete on the team when I like went back to school in the fall Mm. um and so it just like quickly became like my days were about like running as much as I could and eating as little as I could every day and um, I wasn't really around anybody except for my partner at the time that summer and so I think it was just yeah like a really not good environment where um, the eating disorder could thrive a lot. Yeah yeah I can imagine especially having a partner who has their own struggles because one of the questions I've been asking everyone is during the time when you were struggling, did anyone reach out and be like, hey, I'm worried about you? And a common answer is no. Or like maybe someone did, but like it wouldn't have made a difference because you didn't want to change yet. Um, Mm -hmm. So I imagine having a partner who was struggling, and I'll let you answer without me assuming. (laughs) I imagine that they didn't confront you about any worrisome thoughts because they might have been wrapped up in their own thoughts about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I did have a few like family members reach out um Mm. like they were in a different state though like they called me because they like saw pictures or whatever and got concerned um but yeah I just like was not in a good headspace to hear it it just made me like angry at them and like push them away um and yeah my partner at the time just kind of fed into that too because he would be like they're crazy like they don't know what they're talking about so it just like kept turning me against them um yeah. And it was like very, very unhealthy with him. Like, um, I don't know. I don't want to like, I don't know. Sometimes specific behaviors can be like triggering, but um, it was like to the point where I was like weighing myself every day and like reporting my weight to him every single mm-hmm. day and like super proud of how little I could eat. And like, um, yeah, just like reporting it all to him because I like thought that was going to make him proud of me. And um, yeah. so, yeah, just like super unhealthy. And then I feel like the more you just get in that, like it feels so hard to get out of it. 
Yeah, definitely. And I imagine, I think another thing a lot of us had have dealt with was once you're in it and then your body starts changing, people start giving you validation for how you're, you look and without being like, you know, malicious or anything because they don't know what's going on. So I imagine getting that validation from your partner too was tied up in that a lot because that's like someone you care about a lot versus, you know, it feels nice to get validation from people we know, acquaintances, um, and that can feed it too. But I imagine it might be amplified when it's your partner. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And I've always been like, I'm, I'm a people pleaser, like all or, like <laughs> across the board. I'm such a yeah. people pleaser. And so, yeah, I like, I really like getting the approval of people and especially people that I care about. And, and then, yeah, I think when I went back to school that next fall, like, um, so many people were like, Oh, Lindsay, like you look so good. And, um, like asking about my training over the summer and, and I also think the like really, really tricky things with eating disorders is that at like the very beginning, they can like make you perform better, which it's mm-hmm. like a very, I like, it's so, it's hard because I feel like sometimes people don't even want to talk about that part because, um, cause it is so bad because like the longer term, even like medium term effects yeah. are so detrimental to performance and health, but um, I think that's why they can be so tricky is because at first it does seem like you are improving your performance a lot of the time. Um, and then it goes downhill really quickly after that. But that fall was kind of like the peak of like I started doing a little bit better at some races. And um, yeah, so I think it just really is like tough when you start like getting in the thick of it. Yeah, definitely. I want to go back a second to something you mentioned about when you joined the trail team. You said that you started thinking more about like looking like a runner. Um, And for people who are listening, which is everyone, I put that in quotes. (laughs) Um, I'm curious where, if you remember where you picked that up, like what a runner looks like. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think because when I, so when I first went to college my freshman year, I was actually downhill ski racing for my school also. Mm. Um, And then after that freshman, so then I was kind of, yeah, like focused on both. Um, And so I still feel like I was like proud of like being strong for skiing. And, um, but then I blew my knee out like the spring of my freshman year. And so that kind of like ruined ski racing for me and was what made me like really want to just focus fully on running. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I guess it was just kind of like looking around at other people on my team and um, realizing that I felt like the people who were like faster than me looked a lot different than I did. And um, and then, yeah, it just was kind of perpetuated. Like I like would talk to my partner at the time about it and then he would like agree with me and be like, yeah, like you don't look like a runner. Like you should lose weight. And like, so it was just very, un- very unhealthy, but, um, yeah, so I, so I don't really, I don't remember, like, I don't really feel like it was like a social media thing. I feel like it was more just people I saw like around me. Um, cause I, yeah, I don't even feel like I like followed that many runners or anything on social media. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I don't know. I feel like social media, even not that long ago is so different than what it is now. <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense. Did the team that you were on, how was the culture? Did that contribute to your struggles or was it more helpful? I think 
it was a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, because something unique about the trail running team was even though we had like, um, yeah, like a coach who he used to coach like the NCAA cross country team and stuff before he coached the trail running team. Um, we still had though, like athletes of all abilities, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that works fine with running because like, you can it's kind of an individual sport even though it's like a team thing but yeah um so I think that was actually pretty cool and probably helpful like uh, there was definitely a group of athletes that really were like trying to compete and like podium at races but um then there were also people who were like just wanting to like finish their first 50k or Mm -hmm. even just like a half marathon or things like not just that's not good. I don't want to cut down a half marathon. <laughs> like just trying to finish their first race, or um, so it was really cool. Like we definitely had a wide mix, but then there was definitely a group of athletes, um, like people that were a bit more competitive. That it got kind of unhealthy, and I think especially, unfortunately, like the girls on our team just got really competitive with one another. And um, mm. I'm hyper competitive, and I've always been, and I love being competitive. So. I think that that is fun, but I wish that, like, in a team environment, we could have, like, used that to our advantage and, like, made all of us better instead of just, like, being against one another. And I also think there was just some culture around, like, eating disorders and stuff on the team, especially with some of the guys on the team, where there would just be, like, a lot of joking about, like, eating disorders and, like, joking about making yourself throw up or things like that. And, um, yeah, I just, like, was never really addressed. Like, it was just taken really lightly. Nobody really said anything about it, but it would be, like, almost every day at practice, like, when we were warming up or doing drills or whatever, um, there would be, like, some comment about it. Um, And, yeah, and then I also just think, like, the validation, like, when I, um, like, got back that fall, like, people were, like, commenting on my abs and, like, asking, Mm. like, what I did for training all summer and, um, yeah, I, like, I definitely got more attention, especially from guys on the team when I came back that fall. And so, yeah. And I also think, like, my coaches kind of without knowing at all, like, really that I was struggling right when I came back. Um, they, I remember, like, one practice. And, of course, because I'm such a people pleaser, like, any sign of approval, I feel like I, like, clung to so hard. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember one practice where my coach was, like, talking about like how hard I had worked over the summer and like how fit I was going into this first race we were doing and um so but I think he just had no idea I was struggling and so I think that's what's kind of tough about eating disorders also is like um I did like work really hard that summer and I like did run a lot that summer um but then that those kinds of things also just like reinforce the eating disorder unfortunately Yeah. Yeah. And just like you're saying, I think it's really tough, especially in like the collegiate team environments. Because I remember my coach didn't really know much about, at least me, my life outside of the running when I was like actually at practice. So just like you're saying, it's very easy to hide something that you're doing. And then on the coach's end, if you see a runner is like, they worked really hard, they're performing better. You don't know what or like how that came about, whether it was like in a healthy or unhealthy manner. So it's just like a really tricky balance for them. And then being on your side, just getting the validation and then 
performing well at races and just getting confirmation that what you were doing is working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did have um, a couple of teammates, like girls on the team who did try to like say something to me, like they were concerned about me, but I still was just like not in the headspace to take it. Like I just like got mad at them and like thought they were just out to get me or something. Yeah. I mean, that's fair, <laughs> especially in college being a female. I feel like um, I also – obviously, you can't know how things would have been different, but I would be curious comparing, like, the trail running experience to cross-country because if you were just – you said you were doing just, like, normal trail races, so obviously, like, you're competing against each other versus in cross-country. Like, yeah, you're competing against each other, but you're also trying to get that team score as – low as possible so it's like I want to beat other runners not my teammates and I want to help my teammates along versus when you're just in a trail race by yourself with your teammates it's like well I want to win and it doesn't really matter where y'all placed you know yeah yeah definitely yeah I hadn't really thought of that before but um yeah that's a really good point I think yeah it is just like so individual and other than the fact that we all like knew we were part of the college team together like yeah yeah, there was no like team awards or team scoring or anything so um yeah I feel like that like did make it I guess probably tough in a way because yeah you don't really have any reason to like be also wanting other teammates to do well other than that like you should because you're their teammate but (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like it's also hard at that age. We're just not super mature yet. (laughs) And like, because I know we'll get to like you're competing now. Um, I think you are. The little I know about you, I think you're a very different competitor. Like you want your competition to do well. You don't want (laughs) them to not do well. Like obviously you want yourself to do well, but you know, the rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Um, So after that fall, when you were performing really well, did things take a turn before you left college or did was your performance very well through college and then something happened afterwards? Um, so yeah, so that fall was the fall of like my last year in college. And, um, then in the spring, like winter spring, I did get just like this weird, like little kind of Achilles thing. Like, I don't even know what Mm -hmm. it was like tendonitis or something. Um, yeah, like super out of nowhere, like was just doing a run. And then, yeah, like after the run was like, oh, my Achilles is a little tight. And then like, um, after that, just like couldn't figure it out. I was like going to PT and getting it needled and, um, yeah, just like really couldn't figure it out. But I had a, I was in a walking boot for like, I don't even know how long, maybe like three to four weeks. And then, um, yeah, just rested it and it got better. But I think, looking back I'm like that was probably just tendonitis because I wasn't it's an overuse thing from not eating Mm -hmm. um so the spring of that year I didn't really get to race um but then it was also COVID that was 2020 Mm. um and so everything also just kind of shut down and so I just kind of started running again we weren't really having practice like um and there was no racing um yeah And so right after that, um, like April of that year, March or April, I, uh, once our practices for the school stopped happening, 
I just literally had one class online to finish for that semester. It was a marketing class and there was no final. So it was like, oh, really weird. I was living. Um, I was living on ca- in an on-campus apartment at the time. Um, and yeah, just by myself. I think there were like two or three of us living in the building. Like everyone else had gone home. My roommates had gone home. Um, and so it was just like a really weird finish to college. And um, yeah, so I was running then, like my tendonitis thing had kind of passed. Um, and then that's when I started working with the coach who I still work with, which is David Roach. Um, and so I said, yeah, I started working with David right out of college and um, he was awesome. And I just, that whole summer though, I just think things were just like getting worse with my eating disorder. And I think it was hard for me being isolated because of the pandemic. Like I'm sure it was hard for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. I feel like that made me realize that I was not okay on my own and that I needed help because I feel like when you're just by yourself 24-7, it makes you like really face like your issues. Um, And so, yeah, in the fall of 2020, I finally was like, I can't do this anymore. And so I, um, David, my coach actually, like kudos to him for making, like building a coaching relationship that is this way, but he was the first person, like I didn't tell family, anybody that I wanted to go to eating disorder treatment. Like he was the very first person I texted and, um, he like responded like, so he was like over the moon for me. He was like, yes, this is the best thing ever. Like, um, (laughs) but yeah, so, so yeah, so that was like fall of 2020. And, um, I went to Opal Food and Body, which is in Washington, um, in Seattle. And they have kind of a program that's geared towards athletes specifically. And um, so I did a partial hospitalization program there. So it was 10 hours a day. um, And then I lived in in an apartment that they owned. And so that was, yeah, 2020. And I remember just feeling so bad because I just started working with David. And I was like, oh, it's only been like two months. And I'm like going to treatment. But he, yeah, he was awesome. And so, so supportive. And he probably a big, like, big reason that I even had the confidence to go to treatment. So, yeah. Yeah. And at this time, were you out of the toxic relationship in college that you were in? So I, right before everything shut down for the pandemic, I broke up with him. Um, And that was when I moved into the on-campus apartment. And mm-hmm. it was with, like, two of my teammates on the trail running team. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, like, get to know them better. And then the pandemic happened and they left. Um, and then, unfortunately, like, during the pandemic, I got super lonely. So I actually was – we were only apart for, like, a, a month and a half or two months and then got back together with him before I ended up going to treatment. So I was actually still dating him at the time that I went to treatment. Okay. Was he supportive of that or what did he think? He was supportive. I don't know that he thought that I like needed to go. It was Mm -hmm. something that I think I struggled with for a long time when I, after I kind of realized I had an issue too, um, like in that spring was just like trying to like tell him that I thought I needed help and him telling me that I didn't, that like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that what I was doing was what I was supposed to be doing and um, that that was perfect and so I think that was really tough for me but um yeah I for once like for one decision didn't really seek his approval and in, in going to treatment and 
So I'm glad that I made that decision, but he was generally supportive. Like he did come visit me in Seattle and everything. Um, so yeah, that was good. But I just think, I think some of the issues that he wasn't dealing with, like of his own made it so that it was just like really hard to kind of like fully like go of the eating disorder, even once I came back from treatment. But, um, we were together for like a year, year and a half after that, but now we're not together. <laughs> Hopefully that's for the best for your <laughs> health and everything. <laughs> yeah. How how was it going through treatment mentally and like were you still running at that time? Walk us through that a bit. Yeah. So I remember like um talking to my coach David before I went to treatment and um I was like I'm still going to like be able to run. Right. Like, um, and he was like, well, we're going to do what they say we need to do. Like if you take a few months off, it's probably just going to be for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So when I went to treatment, everybody there starts out with zero exercise clearance, like zero. Um, I remember like going for like a 10 minute walk and they were like, Lindsay, that's like technically breaking your exercise clearance. And I was like, what? Wow. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm such a rule follower that too. So I like once I was there and I had the rules, I followed them. Like I wasn't gonna break mm-hmm. them no matter how like unhappy I was about it. Um and so yeah, so I started out with zero exercise clearance and some of that was I don't even remember the word for it, but like heart related where your like heart rate jumps a lot when you stand up, like just from a sitting position. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of that was like physically like medical reasons that they didn't want me running. And then after that, though, it was even longer. Like they definitely consider both like the medical and then like kind of the therapy, like mental side of it. Um, and so, yeah, I remember, though, every single day that I went to treatment, I was like, when can I run? <laughs> when can I run? <laughs> like I asked them every single day. Um, and So they kind of had like different steps. So you would just get like a little bit of exercise clearance at a time. And I think that their goal is for you to gain clearance while you're there so that you can continue like working on recovery while you're starting to add in movement. Um, And yeah, so I wasn't running at all when I first went. And I remember there was like another client there who um, was also a runner and like tried to get me to run with them when they didn't have exercise clearance. And I had just gained mine. Like they came after me and I had just like gotten clearance to like run for 20 minutes. And um, so they were like trying to get me to break the rules. And I remember I was like so scared. I thought I was going to get in trouble. I like, I was such a tattletale. I like told on them right away the next day. I like went into treatment. I was like, I don't get in trouble. They asked me to run. I said no. Um, but yeah. And so we also, though, at treatment had exercise experientials, they were called. And um, so there were like exercise therapists there. And so we got to do different movement things. Like with that therapist, I did do like some running, like we would go for a run. But then we also did other things like we went and played pickleball or, um, yeah, just like different ways of like exploring movement, which was kind of cool. I don't know. It was something I probably wouldn't have done in any other context. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I imagine at least that was refreshing to be able to do something, even if it wasn't the running you wanted to do. Uh, how, how long were you in treatment and then how was it getting out back into your normal life? Yeah. So I was there for like eight or nine weeks. Um, and it was usually they kind of like move you through, like you would go into more like, um, outpatient stuff with them also like still working with the same therapist and dietitian but one my health insurance wasn't covering treatment and so Mm -hmm. I was like really lucky that my parents helped me pay for treatment there um because yeah there was like no way I could have paid for it outside of that but that was definitely a factor in like when I stepped down from treatment just because Mm -hmm. it's really expensive um so I did I went, I started in like 10 hours a day and then eventually in there I moved to six hours a day. Um, and then I did just one week of like intensive outpatient, but because it was the pandemic, it was all like on a computer. And so I didn't want to like stay paying to live in Washington to like go to treatment on my computer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I stepped down like a little bit more abruptly, I guess, than most people would out of treatment there. but. I had already been working a little bit with a dietitian before I went to treatment um, and with a therapist. And so I had like my treatment team in Seattle, like talked to my dietitian and therapist and kind of got everyone on the same page. Um, And then I went back to Colorado and like continued working with my dietitian and therapist. Um, And so that it felt like a pretty smooth transition Um, because of the pandemic. It was weird. Like I had just graduated college. So Um, in a way it was nice to be at treatment then because no one else was really doing anything anyway. Like I didn't feel like I was missing out on that much. Um, but then I also like, I didn't have a job when I got back. Like I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and so I started working. I just like one day in the newspaper saw, um, an ad for like a teacher's aide that they were hiring for a preschool in town in like the small town in Colorado that I was in. And so I was like, well, I like kids. Like, sure, maybe I'll try that. And so um, so I started working as a teacher's aide at a preschool. And that actually was, like, huge for me in recovery in a way that I, like, wouldn't have predicted because I think I was just really passionate about, like, wanting the kids at the preschool to have, like, a good relationship with food and, um, and movement and with their bodies. And so, um, yeah, I, it was, like, really cool for me to, like, have to feel like I wanted – to be a role model kind of for like the kids at the preschool. And so that actually was like a really ended up being a really helpful um, thing for me. I feel like in, in my recovery. Huh? Yeah. That's like, it's kind of funny how things work out because you weren't like seeking that out. And then it was so helpful in a way that you never anticipated. Um, So how, how was getting back into training and at what point after this, I'm assuming after this, did you become a professional trail runner? Like, how was that journey? Yeah. So um, I, for getting back into training, it was super gradual, like way more gradual than I wanted, of course. Um, <laughs> but luckily I had, yeah, David, who's my coach, like he's awesome. And um, he's, I was not the first athlete he had worked with who had gone to treatment, which was helpful. Um, and so he, like he guided the whole like return to running process for me. And um, yeah, it was just awesome. And in 2021, 
Um, so yeah, so I got out of treatment like late 2020. And then um, in 2021 was kind of when I had my like first big win at a trail running race. And it was like totally unexpected. I ran the Silver Rush 50 mile in Leadville. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I like, I had been signed up for in 2020 actually, and then deferred it. But yeah, I was just like, I was so nervous for it. And the night before the race, I was like looking at the course, like wondering if I was going to make cutoffs. Like I was like so nervous. Like I was like, I don't, I don't even know if I can finish this. Like, yeah. Like looking at the cutoff times, like wondering if I was going to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then, yeah. So then I was like running that race and, um, like really towards the beginning, some people were like, first woman, like first woman. And I was like, we're like six miles into the race. Like there's a lot of race <laughs> left. And at first I was like, that's not what they said. Like they definitely said something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a huge shock to me when I won that. And, um, yeah, that was kind of what made me be like, Oh, like, I think I could be good at this. And in college I had had some good results. Like I'd been like top five at some ultras and stuff, but um yeah I never like won something so that was really exciting and it was really cool to like have that kind of like six months after getting out of eating disorder treatment because um I feel like sometimes that can be tough just the return to running after going to treatment um like sometimes it can take longer to see the benefits of going to treatment and like actually taking care of your body and so I think that 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 was just really cool for me that it happened that way um and so after that, I kind of started like talking to some brands and um, I talked to Adidas a little bit because the head coach of the college trail running team, um, he's an Adidas Terex athlete. And so he like got me some connections there. I got to go on this really cool um, trip to Austria with the Terex team and wow. um, yeah, just super cool experience. And um, yeah, getting to like meet all sorts of pro athletes that I like look up to so much and um so I talked to them a little bit and then, yeah, just kind of kept racing into 2022. And I had some good results at like the Broken Arrow race out in, um, I think it's called Palisades now. It's near like Tahoe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a, yeah, a sky race at the ski area out there. Um, yeah. So I had some good results there and kind of met um, some of the people that work at Solomon there. And that was in 2022, I kind of started building that relationship with Solomon and then um, went back to the Silver Rush 50 mile race in 2022 also, because in 2021, I was like five minutes off of the female course record and I had gotten lost and added like a mile and a half, uh, like at the end of that race in 2021. Um, Like literally when I could hear the finish, like it was mile 49 and I took a wrong (laughs) turn. But so I went back in 2022 to try and like get some redemption for the course. And so, um, yeah, had a good race there. And then I ran my first 100 mile race then at Leadville 100 in 2022 and um, was third there. So that was helpful in like trying to get a running contract. Um, And then end of 2022 is when I signed with Solomon. Um, Yes. And then my unfortunately like eating disorders as I've seen with other athletes I know and um people I coach too is that they can have like delayed effects on bone health and so in late 
2022, after I'd been like, I hadn't relapsed, like um, I'd been having a lot of stomach issues, I will say, but it was tough because in eating disorder recovery, a lot of stomach issues get written off, I think, um, because people are like, well, that's just kind of what happens, like an eating disorder, like recovery. And so um, I was having a lot of stomach issues, like since going to treatment, but I even saw a GI doctor who was like, that, like, that's just what happens when you run. And I was like, okay, like, I guess this is normal. But it was like emergency bathroom breaks on every single run, like even it's like a three mile run. Um, and so in late 2022, um, I was like on a normal run and got like some weird hip pain after the run. Um, like the run felt totally fine. It was like a Tuesday, um, just like a normal Tuesday run and then went home and was changing pants and like had this really weird, like very faint little like twinge kind of like in my hip or like groin area mm-hmm. um, and didn't really think anything of it because it was so faint. I was like, oh, it like tweaked a muscle or something. Um, and then the next morning I could like barely walk um, and I did like hobble through my run, like literally picking my leg up with my hands and Oh Looking back, I'm like, okay, let's see, that was dumb. Like, obviously, you shouldn't have been running, but, um, but yeah. So then we like thought that it was kind of like soft tissue um, issues, and um, so it was like a month or like six weeks of just like cross training, thinking we were good to run, getting a dry needle, um, and then finally I got an MRI in November. 2022 like around Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and had two full fractures on my left pubic bone whoa um and yeah and so we like healed from that like cross-trained my coach is really smart like came back very gradually and then in April or so of last year um I wasn't back to full volume yet like I had done like one or two workouts but it was yeah still like building back volume to more normal volume and kind of got weird pain in like my glute on the other side. And I panicked and went back to the doctor and I was like, I broke my sacrum. And they were like, okay, it's normal to be anxious after a bone injury. Like you're okay. It's soft tissue, like do PT. So I kept doing my PT and like the pain was moving around and like just really weird. So I was like trying to run because I thought I was just being anxious. Like So I was, like, running through it, but, like, yeah, really weird pain just moving around all over my hips. And finally, one day, I was, like, on a run, and I was, like, seven miles into the run, and I was in so much pain all of a sudden. Like, I was, like, Mm. I, like, all of a sudden just, like, could barely walk, like, was in tears and, like, hobbled and found someone to give me a ride home. Um, And then I, like, called the doctor, and I was, like, I need an MRI, like, um and so got an MRI and had like stress fractures and fractures on like every bone in my pelvis like um like yeah there were like fractures on there that like some of the best doctors at Stanford have never seen broken before like um like my rings of my pelvis were broken and my sacrum on both sides was broken and both of my pubic bones were broken like um and so yeah so that was april of last year um 
So I've been seeing a great doctor out of Stanford. They have a female athlete scientific translational research program. Um, and we've discovered that I have some like autoimmune thyroid issues um, mm. and like some other autoimmune stuff that we're still like getting more answers on. Um, but they think that like the eating disorder could have been what triggered the autoimmune response, like that stress on my body. And so it was really frustrating because I'd been like, oh, like I've been doing what I'm supposed to do in recovery for two years and now I'm getting bone injuries. But um, yeah. And then in December of this last year, I got stress reactions on both femurs and had barely done any running. So I'm now in a holding pattern again, trying to get in with the bone specialist. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just really reinforce that like taking care of your body is important. Yeah. That's wild that's so many fractures yeah 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 sorry to just like throw throw all of that in there but yeah I'm on like my third (laughs) round of bone injuries right now in a row oh my gosh so how has that been mentally for you to deal with especially after like thinking you were in a much better place you know yeah yeah it's been tough like when I first got the bone injuries even like the very first one I felt just like a fraud. Like I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. I've like preached all of this about like eating enough and like time and recovery. And then like now I'm getting bone injuries. And, um, but yeah, I think that I've been able to like work through that and, and find compassion. And I really like having coaching has been amazing for me to be able to pour into other athletes, um, and like pour into their running. And I've definitely, found a passion for working with athletes um to like help them come back to running from bone injuries and um yeah just like working through bone injuries and yeah the last year has been like really really tough but um yeah I've embraced gravel biking I like um signed up for gravel bike race and spent like all of my savings on a really (laughs) light gravel bike (laughs) um the whole all or nothing thing does not end but um so yeah so I've like embraced that I think I'm a much better coach now because of it like I just have so much compassion like I haven't been able to run how like run normally in over a year and a half and so um yeah I've definitely learned a lot as a coach I'm learning a lot more about how to program cross training also so that's plus and yeah, just have so much more knowledge about female athletes in particular and hormones and, and thyroid and, and all of those things. And so um, I'm in a place now where I'm confident I'm going to come out of it stronger, but it's definitely been really tough last year and a half. Yeah, I can imagine, especially after such good performances in 2022. And how was it dealing with this after just signing on a contract? Yeah, um, it's been tough. Like I – Funny enough, when I met with Solomon to, like, talk about negotiating my contract um, in, like, late 2022, they were, like, asked what I was most proud of that year. And I was, like, the fact that I haven't gotten injured. Like, I'm taking care of my body. And then, like, the next week, got a fracture. But, was, <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's been tough. But I think one cool thing about this sport also is that, like, I'm only 26, so I'm pretty young in the sport. And um, yeah, I've like done what I can to like be involved with like Solomon run clinics and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think I've really realized also that um, I think I can build 
a career in the sport, like regardless of how this um, contract I'm in right now pans out. And um, yeah, I think I have a lot of time. Like if I have to run without a contract for a year or two, just to try and get some good results, I think that that's okay. And at the end of the day also, like as morbid as it is, like we're all going to die and uh, nobody's <laughs> going to care if I have a contract or not. And so, um, yeah, I'm just going to like keep running, keep having fun. I think it's helped that uh, I have tried to make the majority of my income come from coaching. And um, so that way I'm not like worried that I'm not going to be able to pay for my groceries because I'm injured. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that takes a lot of pressure off. And it sounds like your mindset has gotten to such a good place with dealing with this, which will only help with recovery. Um, but I hope hope you get some answers soon and we'll get back to running. <laughs> That's so, so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to do my project for this year is kind of a video documentary on my like return to running and um but it's also gonna be like educational about like the importance of fueling and and stuff like yeah. that, especially for female athletes. So I'm really excited about that project also. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a good outlet for you to pour yourself into while you are figuring out everything and then getting back back into the running that you love. Um is there anything we didn't chat about or anything you want to leave our listeners with before we wrap up I think just remembering that like when I was like thinking about the things I wanted to like have my main points <laughs> to launch here <laughs> I think just remembering that like no matter how like dark it feels like there is always hope and you don't have to know how it's gonna pan out like you don't have to know how you're gonna get through it but um like yeah there's always hope and I think that there are so many like people and places out there where you can get help. And yeah, just like even when it feels like there can't possibly be any hope or like any way that things will get better. Like, yeah, if you can just stick it out and stay and like keep putting one foot in front of the other, just like in an ultra or a running <laughs> race. Um, yeah, you don't have to know how you're going to get to the finish line, but just keep moving forward and, and it will get better. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good summary of everything we talked about today. Um, if anyone wants to follow along with your journey or your running or reach out for coaching, where can they find you? Um, Instagram is probably the best for me. It's just long run Lindsay with periods between each word. Yeah. That's probably the best way for people to get in touch with me. Perfect. And I'll link that in the show notes for everyone. But yeah, thanks so much for sharing your story, Lindsay, and just being so open and vulnerable. I think I think it'll help a lot of people. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for doing this. You're awesome. <laughs> Thanks.